All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. Previewing uh, all the teams, Matt. Matt Kennelly joining me. MWR.com is our website. Facebook, Twitter. Soon, well, we do some Instagram, right, Matt? When we do our top 50, I put some graphics together. So that's uh, like a once-a-year thing for like two months. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we do stuff like that. Today we are doing the Hawaii Warriors. We are doing this at the, uh, what, today's June 23rd. So any news or updates that happen after that, whether it be uh, team-related or, you know, COVID related or something going on, uh, that will not be covered here. But we're hopefully uh, we're good to go for football, TBD. But uh, hey, really quick, baseball's back. You ready for that? I'm I'm very ready for that. Yes, I'm not gonna lie. Quick, I mean, I'm worried, but I'm also excited. I not to get into baseball. I, I could care less at the moment, or at least the past couple of years. Can you go to games in to Giants games if you wanted to? Is it you know if that's on the table? I'm pretty sure they're doing it without fans, which honestly, I, I don't mind because I get live TV via Hulu, and so that's not a huge deal for me. Ask my brother because he's in Texas, and they're allowing, for some reason, um, 50% capacity. So I'm like, oh, boy. And he's like, yeah, yeah I'm going to no go idea. to the game. I'm like, no, you should not go. But we'll see. Baseball will be here. That'll be good. It'll be something. To do. Maybe I'll get into a touch more really quick once, uh, as we watch the NBA come around and hopefully college football. But we're talking Hawaii Warriors to so get off that baseball talk. So let's start last year. Um Nick Rolovich was the head coach. Keyword, Matt, was the head coach. He was off to Washington mm-hmm. State. How big a deal last year was the run and shoot was amazingly well, probably exceeded anybody's expectations because they made the conference title game, but they lose a lot of receivers. There's Cole McDonald, who signed his deal with the Titans recently. What are we going to kind of make, make of the transition? Because last year was awesome. So next year is probably uh, some growing pains with Todd Graham as the coach. Yeah, I mean, I tried to think of a, a simple way to describe the Warriors' season last year. And what I settled upon was that they were entertaining, fun, and also lucky as hell. Like, you know, when you when you stayed up late on a Saturday night, you were rarely disappointed, it, if at all. Entertained because, highs and lows. Yeah, because, you know, they were number one in terms of total offense. They were number one in the Mountain West in terms of yards per play. Check. Uh yeah, but they were also next to last defensively in yards per play. You know, on a on a per drive basis, they were 16th nationally on offense and 109th on defense, which is pretty much exactly what we do expect out of a run and shoot team like Hawaii. But you know, I think what really made the season is that they were also five and one in games decided by eight points or fewer, and that I think. You know, if if they slid back to 500, they don't make the conference championship game. Like they're they're still entertaining and fun to watch, mm-hmm. but they don't win as much as they did. And so, you know, you kind of expect a little bit of natural progression because I I had the the one score records written down at some point, and I think I may have uh, I actually have it down in a tab. You know, they and Nevada were the luckiest teams in the Mountain West last year. And so even if you pin a little bit of regression in, in terms of that close game luck, you know, they have enough pieces coming back on both sides of the ball where they're they're going to be really hard to pin down again. And I feel like I say that every year when we do this preview. For this team, you know, right? This team, because they might still be the biggest wild card in the entire conference. Why do you think? Why do you think they're the biggest wild card? New coach, new offense, new quarterback, losing their top receivers. Yeah, there's, there's an outcome where they backslide really hard because the pieces don't come together. But you know, there's. It wouldn't surprise me if they win the division again. The division, because, it's because there for the that, taking. I think that scenario is in play. 
Yeah, because look at it too. Like as we move, like last year, one thing we should note: they were ten and five. Yes, yes. ten and five. Hawaii accept exemption for obviously they could play an extra home game, title sure. game, bowl game. I forget what the stat was. I remember some people put it out, but it's like the not this record hasn't been achieved in like fifty years or something. Yeah, least, right? I think they were the third team ever, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. So it's ridiculous, and clearly you're not making the playoffs with a ten and five record <laughs> to play that many games. But it's a team where it also. Let's just get to it. They have Todd Graham, who, if you listen to our podcast in the past, I'm kind of lukewarm on. But the truth is, wherever he's gone, he's been really good because when he was at Rice, where his first year where he took off and did quite well, Rice is like a wasteland. They're a garbage football team, and they're still not even a great football team. Like, But they were like New Mexico bad. Brent guy, Utah State bad. Those type of bad teams, like 130 out of 130, 125 if they're lucky in a good year. And he took them to, to a bowl game in their first year as a, as a head coach. He goes to Tulsa and wins 10 games three of the four years. His first year in Pittsburgh, 6-6, six and six, not terrible, but bowl game, okay. Arizona State, he did fine. He had two two losing seasons, four or five bowl games in six years. He won ten games right away yeah. out uh, there in Tempe, right? Well, no, eight and five, then ten and four, then ten and three. Oh, right, right, right. But they won the South in year two. So he is a coach where okay, he bounced around because he has that dream job everywhere. It's his dream job apparently. But maybe it's a point where not that he's learned, but he hasn't coached at seventeen. Took a couple years off because ASU got rid of him, and I think their trajectory Sun Devils would probably be similar because Herm Edwards has done fine in what two years, right? Mm-hmm. He's yeah. been okay. I don't know if Todd Graham would have done any better or been the same or whatever. They got rid of him after uh, three years of just an okay season, 500 record combined. So, but my point is, he's was he starts off a program and he, everywhere he's gone, he's been a winner more often than not. And his losing seasons haven't been terrible. He's only had three losing seasons ever, and two of those results in no bowl games because he went six and six when he went to bowl game. So mm-hmm. he's there at his any job he's at has done. Um, admirable job to a well above average job like a Tulsa winning 36 games that's pretty good yeah I mean to 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 go back to my original thought and to add upon it you know I say that I think Hawaii might be the conference's biggest wild cards but the extension of that and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it as we go through it this might be the most interesting coaching staff in the Mountain West too and that goes beyond Todd Graham you know, just starting to focus on the offensive side of the ball like we usually do. You know, their new OC is a guy who hasn't been an OC before, but has a familiarity because he was Todd Graham's quarterback at Tulsa, and that's G.J. Kin. You know, when they worked together mm-hmm. back then, you know, he went and set up on school records that I think most of them still stand. But even among the position coaches, you know, they brought in Tony Hole, I believe, as a co-offensive coordinator, and he spent the last couple of years helping Puka Williams be a freshman All-American at Kansas, of all places, and you know, helping Kansas really kind of develop in year one of the, the Les Miles era out there in Lawrence. And then they also hired Brennan Marion, who, if you're not familiar with that name, you're probably not familiar with his offense, which is dubbed the Go-Go offense. Go-Go? Yeah. And, yeah, and I would encourage, I mean, if you're a football nerd, if you just run a Google search for go-go offense, you'll learn a lot about like what he has attempted to do in the past. And you know, we, we mentioned that under Nick Rolovich, they were running the run and shoot. They aren't going to do that anymore, but you can still expect that they're going to be a really high octane, a really high tempo offense, because that seems to be the, the kind of offense that the staff is accustomed to running. 
you know, just Marion in particular, even though he's only a position coach, he's, I believe, coaching wide receivers. Do you remember the the game Howard versus UNLV from a few years ago? The one where UNLV kicked field goals and lost? Yeah, where it was the, the biggest uh, <laughs> spread, spread ever. Upset against the spread ever. That was that was Brennan Marion's offense. Sorry, Rebel fans, but hey, that that's a good offense. He turned around Howard, Who? and then a year later, he turned around William and Mary. Mm-hmm. On you know, if you go to his resume over on uh, Hawaii's official website, you'll see that they they doubled their scoring offense from the year before his arrival to last year, and they added over a hundred yards of total offense per game. And so, you know, they're not going to be running 10 personnel, which is, you know, four wide, one running back mm-hmm. 91% of the time, like they did last year. Then that's according to Pro Football Focus. And they only return 44% of last year's production on offense. And that's according to Bill Connolly. But there's still a lot to work with here. And it wouldn't surprise me if the offense continued to be potent, not only with this coaching staff, but with the talent that's that's replacing all of that outgoing talent. Yeah, it could just be different. They averaged 30, almost 34 points a game last year. He's not going to come in double, clearly. But the mm-hmm. offense will be different. Like you said, it'll be potent. But it won't be, like you mentioned, four or five wide out. There won't be the uh, read option. Maybe there will be. But from the run and shoot, because we're running the ball, is it's called run and shoot, not just pass and shoot. You know what I mean? So yeah. you won't see that. But it could be. It's just a different production that you could see. And that's the yeah. thing. Like the point total, maybe they score 31 points a game or 30. Maybe they go up. They may, they're like, I'm not sure what efficiency-wise could be, like how well they were in the red zone or scoring points per drive and all that. That could very well – it won't be as many drive points – not points, but um, like plays, what we're saying. This offense will be moving. It just won't – it'll be a different type of offense, but it will be looking through what they can do. It's just different but still fun. It's like a fun difference. It's like – like I say, it's like New Mexico or Nevada Pistol, but it's like something where it's different, unique – and he goes around like Howard was terrible. Like they were not a very good even FCS program. And look what uh-huh. he did. He beat yes, UNLV not a great FBS team. But like what they did at Howard, like you mentioned William and Mary, the offense will be different to watch. But it could score as many points. It just may not be passing for five hundred yards a game. But you mentioned who comes back. Like we'll just start at quarterback really quick. Like Cole McDonald is gone. He's with the Titans. He officially signed the other day. But they got Shavon Cordero, who played the past two years and played well and played a decent amount of time. So it's not it's sort of a new quarterback, but not really. He came in. Remember two years ago, Matt, what did he come in for multiple games second half and lead them to victory? Wasn't there was it the UNLV game where he came back like down twenty one or something for the victory outscore the Rebels like twenty one to three or something? So, yeah, I believe so. Something like that where he's been in down situations, Ledford comes back comebacks. He's been I think he started a couple of games too, I believe him. Did he start a couple he last start, year? He started. He started four games altogether. Okay, and, I knew it. You know, if, if, because if you follow Hawaii's Twitter account, you'll you'll see that they threw out the uh, graphic that he's four and zero as a starter. Undefeated. There you go. Can't beat that. But he's played enough, despite not being a starter for. You know what I mean? Because we know why he's got pulled. Yeah, he played. He played in twelve games yeah, last he's year. He's played plenty. Four starts. And the year before, he played as well, quite a bit. He played more last two years ago than last year, but he's not a new guy. They do lose most receivers, but their offensive line went pretty good. But sticking with the quarterback, while we, while we do need to do research or others and me and you just to watch what the go-go will be, it's not a brand-new guy back there, which is what you want with a new coach, like especially this year. with We know practices, can, like official practices, like where you can hit and touch people and see all that goes in the middle of July. You have an experienced guy back there, so it's not a, even though it's a new offense, you have a guy who's been – an FBS quarterback had made starts and been on a winning team. So that's step one of being above other teams that either have a new quarterback, 
new system or new coach or altogether. And this save part of the equation there, and so that's good. And he can we see what he can do. He can throw the ball downfield. He like I think he do you, am I wrong to say he's fairly comparable to Cole McDonald, except he's a little bit doesn't want to thread the needle as much, but he can be as efficient or better at times. I mean, I think physically he he might be a little slighter than mm-hmm. McDonald, but he has that same kind of elusiveness that allows him to extend plays, and you saw that off and on last mm-hmm. year. Um, so, I mean, I think in that respect, he's he's definitely got the arm to make this offense go. Yeah, and, it- and that's why I would contend that he might be one of the most influential players in the conference this fall. Because, yes, he's undefeated as a starter, but when you actually look wink, at wink. the game-by-game performances, <laughs> you know, don't don't let that fool you. Because on the one hand, you know, just looking at his three starts last year, you know, the, the first one against San Jose State, he was unstoppable. That entire offense was unstoppable. You might remember that as the game where neither team punted. Exactly. Um, but the very next week against UNLV, he was only four of nine for for 46 yards and two interceptions. He got replaced by Cole McDonald. Cole McDonald did the majority of the heavy lifting to, to help them win that game. And then, you know, two weeks later against Army, he, again, played pretty well, 7 of 12, 58, you know, 58% mm-hmm. completion rate. couple TDs. And averaging nine yards a carry, a couple times. Yeah, so, I mean, he was very up and down last year. And, you know, as a statistical whole, you know, you you might be able to say that he took a slight step backwards, you know, because his completion rate fell from 61% in 2018 to only 57% on the season last year. So, you know, we've seen enough evidence where, like, when he's on, you got to watch out for this offense. Oh, we've yeah. also seen a fair deal of evidence where when he's off, that's when things, you know, it puts pressure on other parts of the team that, you know, at, at least in some respects last year, didn't hold up sometimes. And so... You know, it, the big question I think is: Are they going to ask him to throw as much as they have in the last couple of years? Because last year they threw it sixty-one point five percent of the time as no an way. offense. I, there's two, no way. There's no way. Two years that ago much. they threw it fifty-nine percent. So you know, how much are they going to ask him to shoulder? And you know, by by extension, you know, if he's ineffective, the backup options aren't proven this time around. You know, I would imagine that Justin Wahinui is probably the backup because mm-hmm. he, he saw at least a very, very limited action last year. But, you know, we don't know what's going to happen if Todd Graham has the, the, the same kind of quick hook that Nick Rolovich had. You know, can he run as effectively as McDonald did? Do they, but, but, they, but do they need him to run effectively? Like, this, we don't, the offense doesn't require him to run yeah, that we much? Yeah, don't, we don't quite know what that offense is going to look like. You know, and... It, when when Rolovich did his version of the run and shoot, you know he ran more often than you know air raid offenses like you know Mike Leach, let's say mm-hmm. the guy who's replaced at Washington State. You know PFF had a really interesting article on comparing and contrasting uh, Leach and Rolovich, which I think is at least a little bit instructive and in at least trying to forecast what this year's offense is going to look like because they ran a lot more RPOs they in, did. with mm-hmm. McDonald and, and with Miles Reed, who we'll get to in a moment. You know, are they going to ask Cordero to do more of that? Because at least on a per carry basis, you know, he was better than McDonald was. He was averaging over five yards carry, but that was only on 40 attempts on the season. And that doesn't account for sacks. And so, you know, I don't know what the quarterback role is going to look like. We know he can do the job. I think the big question is, can he do it consistently? I would say a couple of things. He... 
part of it is maybe why he struggled because the back and forth, the swapping the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to worry about that. And there's guys maybe, not to say he can't handle the pressure, but if you know if you make one little error, you're getting pulled. You might be a little tight. You may not try to make this throw where you think you can make it. You're like, well, maybe I'll make a more conservative type of throw. I know I know yeah. this play is going to work out more than me trying for the big play ball. But so that that could be could have been thing last year where he could have been a little, a little hesitant, and this year knowing where if he messes up a little bit here and there, he's, odds of him getting pulled are slim. So maybe that'll open up for him now. He knowing he has more confidence that he can try to make those plays and he won't get pulled if he does have an interception or a miscue or just a bad player to throughout the a, a certain particular drive. So that mm-hmm. that can help him be more confident. And he could be a better player. You mentioned what sixty percent throwing the ball last year, sixty one. I'm pretty sure. It'll drop like what? I don't know. It'll drop. It won't be as much as last year. Be low mid fifties. I still think they'll throw more than they pass because why go away against something that's that good? Like they he throws the ball well. They even losing who they've lost to the NFL and guys graduated. They still have talent back there, but he's a guy for sure. And you mentioned could be quarterback like over to Athlon, and we're gonna do our maybe depends when you listen to this. It may be out, but our preseason teams. They, Athlon puts him as a third team behind only. Um, Hank Bachmeyer and uh, Donald Hammond at Air Force, mm-hmm. which I think is correct. They have um, what do you got? The uh, Nevada quarterback Carson Strong throughout the league. It's like that makes sense for a couple of reasons. He could be a fringe depending on how the season goes. Like I don't know if he'll make an All Conference, but he'll be close to it. It's particularly if we what well, we know what Todd Graham could do for his quarterbacks and for his teams being good, and for what we've seen from Shavon the past couple of years. And the offense that's unique and a little bit different that maybe people haven't seen as much at go-go that it'll be where they may catch a few teams off guard like they're running shoot did, but a different way. And so he he's going to be really good. I don't have any doubt he'll be the guy to have any issues. But what it'll come down to is like who's going to catch the ball. But the running game here, like they have Miles Reed. He's probably going to be a uh, – he's one of the uh, less – not lesser known, but this the running back situation in the league is really good. You know what I mean? Like you got Toa Tally, you have uh, Charles Williams, Xavier Valade, you have all these guys. George Chalani, um, who am I? Who am I missing? Um, Ronnie Kate, Rivers, Xavier Valade, yeah. Charles Williams, Caden Ramsbury. Yeah, yeah there's plenty. Running back is running back is stacked in this league, and Miles Reed is definitely part of that conversation. Yeah. He was, I think, definitely overlooked mm-hmm. for a guy who ran for over 900 yards and, and averaged over five yards carry and scored eight touchdowns. In a running shoot offense, he did that. Remember, folks. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, going back to the kind of that that run pass ratio, you know, one of the big one of the other big questions is, you know, kind of like with Cordero, none of the backup plans for Reed are are proven. Don't get COVID people. Don't get to spot. I'm sorry. <laughs> and like health wise, it's a big deal. Quarterback, running yeah, cause, back. Because he only, he only averaged a, a, like somewhere around 11 and a half carries per game last year. And just in terms of looking at the the 2020 spring roster, they only have one other running back listed on the roster, and that's Hikili Hikiliki. Two total? I didn't. I must have missed that. That's wild. And and this is not to say that they they you know they recruited at least one other running back, Davon Hunter, who I believe was a three star guy. You know, it could be the kind of situation where he comes in and, and plays a role right away. You know, with I don't know four to six carries per game. But you know, that's one of those things where. You know, if if he gets hurt, knock on wood, you know, what is that offense going to look like without him? Because it, it he, I think, was a very critical part of making those RPOs work. Him and McDonald, be, between the two of them, they they gave opponents more than one person to worry about. And so, you 
are they going to continue doing those same kinds of things? Are they going to continue relying on run pass options? Or are they going to try and be a little more smash mouth, a little more straightforward? And if they do that, like how much is his workload going to increase? Is, is he a 20 carry kind of guy? Because, you know, Fred Hawley transferred out, Dayton Peruta graduated. Mm-hmm. One way or another, we're going to find out what his role is going to be. He could be an impact guy if they want him to be, but I think that's another one of those big questions where we don't know how much they want him to shoulder in the same way that we don't really know how much they want Cordero to shoulder as a passer. Yeah, with just two backs in the roster, that's uh, that's concerning to say the least, right? Like, unless they're going to get some last second guy to come in this fall, having just mm-hmm. two backs, like... That's unheard of. That lead, I didn't. I must. I must have missed that looking up stuff. But that's a pretty big deal. I'm assuming he'd get more carries because again, the run and shoot, you run a lot. You know what I mean? You're not, which is dud. Like duh, what you're gonna say? But with two backs, like there's got there's gonna be. Here's what's gonna happen. Somebody's gonna change from defense to be on offense, right? That has to be the case. Possibly. Yeah, for for those Fresno State fans out there, you might remember Josh Hope. Yeah, switch back and forth. Went from running back to linebacker and then back to running back. And there's some guy from, or not Hawaii, but uh, Wyoming a year or two ago that did the same thing. But yeah, it, yeah. I, there's going to be something like, you, there's no way you can go with two running backs. But mm-hmm. with that being the case, he's going to have to take on a bigger load, maybe 15 carries a game, maybe 18 a game. Um, there's going to be more carries. He seems He's a good running back, as we know. It's just a different going from, like you mentioned his stats before, to going eight more carries or four or five more carries to keep that same percentage going over yards per carry, production-wise, and all those type of things. But take us to the offensive line where that might help with your backs. They have, what, three or four starters back this year? They've got everybody coming back. Oh, it's everybody. Oh, for some reason I thought it was Besides Air Force, they're up there, right? The only really significant piece they're losing is J.R. Hensley, who I believe he, he tore his quad in the UNLV game last year, missed the last four games, if I remember correctly, um, because he decided to hang it up and call it quits. But That's right. And, and, and he was awesome. But then you could say the same thing about basically the entire unit. I would say that this is easily the conference's best offensive line. Better than Air Force? Better than Air Force? Yes. Is that what I, was, I saw the comment made on Twitter like, hey, where's Hawaii here when they're not listed on some random ranking of offensive line? And just to give you some context as to how good they were last year, as a team, for considering how often they threw the ball, as a team, they had a 3.9% sack rate that ranked in the top 20 nationally. They were 19th overall. And, you know, as we talked about with Miles Reed's breakout campaign, the offensive line was a really big part of that too. They were in the top 50 by line yards per carry and opportunity rate and they were in the top 25 by power success rate so they were you know no matter the situation that they found themselves in they had success running the ball which was a huge difference from where they had been in 2018 and 2017 and you know they they had one of my favorite kind of random off-season statistics that i stumbled across and this is from from uh, pro football focus uh, their center to aga to ulima is the only player coming back in the fps level who had 700, at least 700 pass blocking snaps in zero sacks allowed. That is wild. Yeah. What's that? They've got, Three seasons? Worth going to be a four-year starter, it seems like, with that many pass attempts? I mean, I think he's in his second full season as a starter. But, you know, you go, you go down the line, Il Manning might all of a sudden be the best left tackle in the conference. He's, I, I have a feeling he's criminally unappreciated. Um, the guy who replaced Hensley down the stretch, Michael Elatis, he's coming back. Tulima's in the middle. 
Solovai Pulu is one of the best guards in the conference, and then Gene Pryor, who emerged into the starting lineup at the beginning of last year, he's back too. And then they've got depth too. You know, they've got other guys who started in the past, like Cole Labau, Joey Nuwano Kuhuiki. Um, Again, this is the best offensive line in the conference. And, and no disrespect to Air Force, who is also very good, but this is a team that has you know multiple multi-year starters coming back. And you know the depth to be able to replace some of those talents if the worst happens and they're bit by the injury bug. So I think you know despite some of the questions at the skill positions, I don't have any questions about this unit at all. No, we shouldn't. I've, they're going to be good. It's going to be helpful for... Like having that experience, not just a quarterback or running back, but the line, it can make up a lot of not issues, but just learning the offense as it's as it is. It's a new thing people are learning. You having all five guys back that can make up a bit for a lot of different things on this team. If you can pass block, especially receivers, which we'll get to, they replaced what nearly every receiver is that just about the Jared Smart's back clearly, but everybody else. They're replacing a lot of the big names. The top, would, top again, names. Like, like we talked about with, with Cordero and, and his uh, 4-0 record as a starter, I would say that that might be a little bit deceptive too because I think that there's enough pieces coming back where, yeah, maybe you don't know their names yet. You will. But but they, but they could have an all-conference performer beyond smart by the end of the year. They had – I remember a stat last year I mentioned throughout. They had a game, I think, the, for the first seven games – I could be incorrect, but something along these lines where like six of the seven games, they had different 100-yard receiver. Mm-hmm. They had almost four guys crack 1,000 yards last year. They had JoJo Ward's gone, Cedric Bird's gone, and they have uh, Jason Matthew Sharsh gone. Bird's back with 98 receptions. So the team last year had like, I saw it somewhere, what was it? He had 130 targets or something last year, 126 targets. It's crazy. 1,100 yards. Like, he's there. He'll get his. Like, I don't know how much better he could be getting that, like maybe touchdowns because he had only five compared to 11 and 10 between Bird and Ward. But he's out there. It's going to be somebody else. Like there's a lot of guys like that could step up and be that guy. Like maybe it's a uh, Melquise Stovall who was like fifth and only 18 catches, but there's going to be somebody out there who will step up because they want they're still Matt. They're still going to throw the ball. They're not going to just hand the ball to Miles Reed every time. So, yeah. and all these guys, Yes, they had four main guys really last year, but they'd go five wide occasionally. There'll be some new guys stepping in. It'll just be, like you said, it'll be, I'm not sure who, but it's not like if, but when something will happen. There'll be guys out there because, okay, they cover Jared Smart a lot. Well, there'll be somebody else with the offense. They're going to want to be creative. They're going to want to find those guys who did see time last year. They just weren't getting the passes thrown to them. They rotated in that fifth guy all so often last year. I don't think there's going to be a step back, but it's not, yeah, they're not going to have three guys with a thousand yards, but they could have two. Like they're still gonna want to throw a lot. They're just gonna tone it back maybe ten percent. And if they, I'm gonna say there's a non. I'm gonna say there's a non-zero chance that they could turn that trick again. You think they? Well, there's always a non-zero chance anything can happen. But I mean, and and Stovall Stovall is the biggest name because yeah. he was he was kicked off the team about halfway through the season, which mm-hmm. explains why he only had 18 catches, four um, touchdowns, 18 five, catches. Played too. in five games, had four touchdowns though. That's pretty but good. He's back, so that's another. I would say relatively proven piece, mm-hmm. you know, and then beyond him, you got a legion of youngsters okay. coming up like Nick, Nick Mardner, who you might remember from a couple of big catches against Boise state and, uh, and BYU in the bowl game. Well, look at Lincoln Victor, 10 catches, three touchdowns. Yeah. Pretty yeah, good he, efficiency. He can, right? step in, he can be another one of those slot receivers. Um, Kamoku Noah's there. James Phillips is there. 
and then you know there could be an opportunity even for some of the guys that they brought in in their 2020 recruiting class you know Quinn Bright I think was is, was their their top rated recruit and you know you go look at some of the headlines from like the Dallas Morning News for instance and they're they're talking him up as one of the fastest wide receivers in Texas this guy who runs track and things like that it's pretty good part so, of that place yeah <laughs> so you know all of a sudden you're looking at an offense that has a toy like you know if if you're looking for a quick and dirty comp you know, you could compare them to what Fresno State did last year with Jalen Cropper, where they can line him up all over the field and just put the ball in his hands and see what happens. Something like that would not surprise me. And then on top of all that, they added a thousand yard receiver from North Texas, Enrico oh, Bussy. Oh, that's right. I forgot about him. Thanks for reminder. That's because he he too missed almost all of last year, and that was because of an ACL injury. Guess but who he was at North hey. Texas in 2018? So where his offensive coordinator was Graham Harrell. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he's used to catching the ball. He's used to being in high-octane, high high-scoring offenses. So, you know, you start looking at, at what they have coming back. And, you know, for all the questions you might be able to pose about quarterback being relatively thin and, and running back being thin, you know, the offensive line looks strong. And I would say that the wide receiver unit also looks strong as well. Let's say this. if, Like I mentioned, let's say their total production, like I'm pulling up really quick just yards per play. Like this is just a – Rough number, but like their total offense, they were instead at yards per play, not yards per game. That's late. They were number one in yards per play by 6.69. Let's say they dropped 10%. That would put them like still over six yards per play and still top half of the mm-hmm. conference, like fourth or fifth. Yeah. That's still really good because I don't expect them to pass for 5,000 yards. Maybe they'll get it different ways overall running and passing, but I think there'll be some, a minor step back just because new offense, schedule, team. But if they still get above six yards a play, there's in the West, like you're right. They're going to contempt for the West. Everybody has a new coach, but them in San, well, San Jose State, new, no new coach. Or sorry, new coach. I'm sorry, going backwards there. But everybody has a new coach, even them, except for San Jose State and Nevada, which I was getting at. I'm saying it the wrong way. But they have potential of who who they play, where the, we'll get to the schedule. The second half's a little bit trickier, but the offense is going to be. Not the best, but it's going to be top third at the very least, and that'll be that should be good enough. Assuming or crossing my fingers here, hopefully that defense could be a little bit better, not just terrible. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of respects, the defense really has nowhere to go but up. That's and, the plan. You know, it is there were there were some weeks where they were winning despite the defensive performances, like that San Jose State game I mentioned at the onset. <laughs> Punters, um, take your seat. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, you go down the line and you you see that you know, we talked about some of the advanced stats on the offense, and they you know you go to those same numbers on defense, and they aren't pretty. You know, they were 128th in line yards per carry allowed, for instance, and opportunity rate. They were 127th with their own defensive sack rate, right around three percent, and you know, in stuff rate, they were 126th. Power success rate, they were 123rd. So, you know, they've got you know, a relatively new staff on that side of the ball too in, with the coordinator Victor Santa Cruz in particular coming from Division Two Azusa Pacific where, you know, he was building pretty good defenses year in and year out. You know, he and Graham have familiarity with one another. And, you know, while they do have a couple of big names that they have to replace, you know, this is another unit kind of like with the wide receivers where, you know, they've got a lot coming back they have more coming back on defense in terms of returning production than the offense does. But, you know, there's a lot of pressing questions that they have to resolve. 
I think the, the most important one is can they be more disruptive up front? Because that's really what a lot of those numbers I just threw out there speak to is that they've got a lot of contributors, but they didn't really have any standouts. And so I think, you know, you start with the defensive line. You know, I think, in, in my opinion, the, the JUCO guys that they brought in over the last couple of years might be the biggest keys. And I'm talking about guys like Derek Thomas, Justice Devai, Mason Vega, who saw a fair amount of starts and playing time throughout the year, but weren't necessarily that productive. Because if, if those guys kind of fizzle out, let's say, you know, then all of a sudden you're having to push the reset button in year two, which I'm guessing they don't necessarily want to do. And this is no. not to say that they, they also don't have like youngsters in that mix too. I think you can feel better about the interior with guys like Blessman Taala and Andrew Choi and Jonah mm -hmm. Laulu. You know, those I think were their most disruptive players in terms of tackles for loss and sacks. But I think it's those more experienced guys that they're really counting on to be productive and, and to help this defense rebound out the gate. If that makes sense. Yeah, looking at last year really quick, TFLs, they had two guys in the top 50 in the conference. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And the top guy is gone. And the guy, sorry, I'm trying to, my screen's pull away from here, but it's, uh, sorry for that noise. <laughs> I'm using my mic. Um, Jonah, yeah, I mentioned Jonah Lulu. I was trying to see who it was. Five TFLs, or excuse me, six TFLs last year. 37th or 38th in the conference, near the bottom. So, like you said, they were not getting pressure either behind the last scrimmage or, they're a touch better in sacks, but they guys are getting a couple sacks a game. Like they return like five sacks of their leading guys from last year. Not very mm -hmm. good. So could the JUCO guys? There is the one one young guy, Lula, as I mentioned, but they you got to get with the. With, it's hard to like. I don't want to get a defensive pass, but as many plays they ran last year and how fast they're running last year, they they weren't necessarily giving the the defense a chance occasionally like oh we scored one play great they are just on the field for a twenty play drive or ten play drive where their rest time isn't good or a quick three and out which could happen in that type of offense that where it's literally four minutes of total time you're you're getting a break between the three plays maybe a TV timeout so they do the offense if the offense slows down a touch that'll help them as well but again they still got to do their part Matt they still got to get to the quarterback and get their hands up do something to get behind the line of scrimmage make some plays. Maybe they yeah, do. I mean, just just think of it in terms of uh, I threw out a bunch of advanced numbers, but just think of it in terms of like yards per carry allowed. They were dead last in the conference, giving up nearly five point six yards per carry. Not good. And that and that was the worst figure in you know from the program since they've been in the Mountain West. So that's one of those things that has to improve. Yeah, just get half yard better. You know what I mean? It's like if you make enough small changes, it'll help the big thing overall. Half yard exactly. less here. An extra 0.25 interceptions per game, an extra knockdown or something. If you do a lot of small things, that can add up to enough. Because to, we know the defense doesn't need to be great. They seem to be close to average, and the offense with what's returning should be pretty good. And so the defensive line, you're right, the Juco guys, maybe one or two young guys, but it's going to be all these guys, like if you, said, if you said, if they don't get it going, they're in trouble. And they start off like their schedule, Arizona, UCLA. It's not – not, necessarily very difficult teams like the high-end teams like when they, they play Oregon later on but they have talent and good enough to they could lose those games easily as much as they could win but if the defense lets things go by the wayside they're going to be starting 0-2 or something and 1-3 by the time league play starts yeah and I think that if the defensive line could take a step forward you know you you look at the linebackers and they may not have very many household names but I think improvement on the line could help the linebackers be a really pleasant surprise because that's another unit that's really deep too. 
and could be more productive if they give more opportunities to, to be disruptive and, and make plays uh, on the second level. You know, Pene Bavihi, for instance, missed all of last year. With, I believe it was an ACL injury, but he's back. Um, but even his absence allowed someone like Darius Muasau to to be third on the team in tackles despite starting just four games. You know, he saw playing time all year long. He could be an impact player as well. They have Jeremiah Pritchard coming back. You know, they get Isaiah Tufaga, who sat out last year after transferring transferring from Oregon State. Excuse me. So all of a sudden, you're looking at four guys. That's a fairly deep unit, and I'm I'm, I'm hazarding a guess that they're not going to run the four-two-five in the same way that they did under Rolovich and uh, and Corey Batoon, but. You know, if well, they shouldn't. Guys... If with this many guys back, they should go to something where you can get more of those guys in the field. Yeah, there's there's room for improvement there, but I think a lot of that depends on improvement from the defensive line. Yeah, because if that helps out, like if they get to the quarter, because again, like if you're a nose tackle or interior lineman, you don't necessarily need to get and make plays. You don't need sacks. You don't need TFLs. It would be helpful. But if you can plug off a, a guy and a half, essentially, or two guys, or make more than your one defender get after you and make a hole, that allows them to come through and make a plan on their own for the linebackers. So if it all mm-hmm. like said, it all comes together. If they do a little bit here or there, there's a guy they respect more on the defensive line that the opposing team has to focus a touch more on. Like even if it's like ten percent more or five percent more, like, hey, make sure you clip that guy. It's like the tight end thing. It's like, hey, clip him off the line so that defensive end can't get the quarterback as quickly, then our tackle will take over. It's something like that where if they make enough noise, enough um, catastrophe or something up the middle, a disruption, I should say, it'll help the those linebackers back, and that is going to be obviously it's better than than their defensive line unit. But again, every little bit helps. And if the defensive line can be just a little bit better, it'll help this linebacker group that's already should be pretty good, be maybe really good because the defensive line does just enough here and there to allow for somebody to make a play, and that's what they need to do. Again, again, just be average Hawaii defense. Come on, so that's all I'm saying. It's easy, just be average. Come on. Well, and, you know, the upside is, like, we haven't talked about the secondary just yet. Not yet. Now. But they Go were to better, it. But they, were, but they were better than you think last year. How so? Well, just in terms of passes defense, the only team in the conference that had more was San Diego State. They're pretty good, right? <laughs> the <laughs> yes. Aztecs are pretty good. Yeah, we talked about them recently. But, you know, beyond that, you know, they were opportunistic in a way that we really hadn't seen in a long time. You know, the, the 59% completion rate they allowed was the best since 2014. And the 14 interceptions that they had was the most since 2011. And, you know, if you're looking for good news is that, you know, aside from Rogesterman Ferris, they've got pretty much everybody who contribute a lot coming back. You know, Cortez Davis is coming back. Mm-hmm. He had 10 passes defense last year. And and Michael Washington, who started the bowl game, is probably going to have the inside track to replacing Ferris. And then, you know, behind them, you know, you've got a trio of safeties in Eugene Ford, Kai Kanashiro, and Corey Bethley, who, you know, all three of those guys have proven they can get their hands on the ball. So while it's it's difficult to say that they'll be able to to have that same level of performance, you know, again, if they can be, if they can put more pressure up front, that helps that that could help them stave off that kind of aggression and, and, you know, backsliding to where they were a year or two ago. Well, and also like I said, let's say they, like, we don't know for certain if they're moving away from the four, two, five, but let's just yeah. say they go to a four, three or just who cares what that is. They're just playing four defender defensive backs. 
You, yeah. ha- you mentioned guys coming back. They don't have to go reach as deep for that fifth guy, even though that could be like a hybrid linebacker guy that could fill in the both. But for traditional... It's probably Canichero is the hybrid guy. Yeah, but I'm saying, let's say they go to just the four DBs. They don't have to yeah. find the other guy who can play both, even though they probably have that guy because they've been doing it. They don't need to focus and have it's only one or two guys to do it. But if they're play their tip, traditional defense, I'm saying, for that secondary. Yeah, they don't yeah, have to worry yeah. about finding another guy or go deeper to go six, seven, eight deep for the hybrid and the DB spots back there. They're set with four. They don't have to find another guy, whatever it may be. And so that's going to be helpful as well with having who's returning, where they be, even though they lose some guys, what they can do with pass breakups, picks, whatever it may be, they they don't have to replace as much for guys they did lose. It's like not that they're getting a guy back, but when you when you position goes from five starters to four and you have returning talent, that's that's a win win for them essentially. It may not be as good overall, but they don't have to find go not that they have to stretch or find some random dude at the back end of the roster. Mm, they just yeah. have more depth to play when they do need to go to player number five, six, seven, eight, go to their second DB or even third occasional when they go to actually five DBs all the time or nickel or dime package. So that's going to be helpful as well, and that's probably, not that we're a coach of Matt, but that's probably where they probably should go. Play to your strengths here, right? We don't want yeah, four exactly. defensive linemen. Maybe they go to a 3-4. That's like That would be pretty good, but that'd be kind of extreme going from two linebackers to four, but they have the talent back there to do it and the depth, I think, to make it work. And where that's where the secondary comes in. They have one last guy. They still have one of the best defensive back guys in the conference coming back for what he can do, knocking balls down, making plays. You know, it'd be nice instead of having the one pick. Go to two to mm-hmm. go to five, maybe right. Go to three, get an extra pick here or there, and that can go a long way in helping the defense. That was what was 109th in what was it, yards per play, or yeah, one or of points the, per drive. Points per drive, yeah. If you can get like an it's like we say all the time for turnovers margin. Like if you can do one or two things better, like if you go from minus ten to a minus six, or just change that by. I'm gonna look up Hawaii's really quick now. I'm not sure what they're at because we haven't discussed it, but again. If you, like when you say, "Oh, you're only five percent better," and, okay, here it is. Why so wasn't very good? They're minus eleven. I was basically right by guessing or by example. Go to minus six, and part of that could be just Cole McDonald because how many picks and tight throws he did in the offense with the uh, they had fourteen, uh, not fourteen, but uh, seventeen total picks loss interceptions. Yeah, it wasn't only that though. Like we didn't talk about it on offense. Fumble. The fact they had thir- thirteen yeah. <laughs> fumbles as well. But like my point, like either way, like if you could be ten percent better on certain areas, but change that minus eleven to and they were minus eleven and won ten games. Imagine last year yeah. if they were minus three, could they have won a couple yeah. more games? Yeah, and fumble luck. I don't think we've talked about it in any of the podcasts so far. We have. But, we, we, but they but they they lost thirteen of eighteen fumbles last year on offense. I have to imagine if, if that slides back towards 50-50, then you know, that's another one of those things where mm-hmm. natural regression to the mean is one of those things that could help them in the long run. Yeah, go minus 11 to minus... Like, with everything being newish or new for coaching-wise, that's something that co- coaching doesn't teach... It may be a little bit like oh, how to grab the ball a certain way or protect it better, but besides that, there's not really any skill or technique to protecting the ball or getting the ball. You know what I mean? It's like it's yeah. so, sometimes it's just sort of, it is partially luck, but it's sometimes a lot of talent where you break in the ball the right way. There's things you can do to not get beat for your defender or hold the ball. Like there's, I'd say there's more in this scenario. I'm trying to make sure it's clear, but there's a more athletic, natural athletic ability instinct than coaching on some of the turnover types of once you have the ball, like throwing interceptions, route running, that's different. But once you actually have the ball, 
or you're going to try to get the ball from somebody, it's more skill than just like actual football knowledge or not skill, but a prowess compared to like football IQ or knowledge. Like, oh, I can get the ball here if it's held at this angle or running this certain route or breaking on the play. Just hold the ball tight. <laughs> That's part of yeah. it. Just hold it. Like, who was it? There's some guy. Was it JHI where they, when he was with Boyce, he's like, hey, hold the ball here. And it's much better for you, or something like they put in the crock of your elbow where you do. No, I don't remember that off the top. There's, of my head. there's guys like, oh, they hold the ball sideways, they hold it this way. But if you hold it just right, you're not going to lose the ball. So there's just a couple of things where just be stronger or not. Like there's a, what I'm saying is, this is an area where some of the stuff is not, te- not technically coachable essentially, but it's just more. I'm going to get that ball, or I'm not going to let you have it no matter what I do. I got to hold it as tight as I can. Make the difference just a little bit here and there, and it could. Like they could be better here and go from minus eleven to mi- to minus two, way better here. But they could be not as good passing the ball, or they'd be not be maybe not as good as getting a TFL, but the better at sacks or their yards per play receiving is a little bit less here, but their yards per play running is better here. Like there's, you don't have to be great or better everywhere. Just be better in the areas we're really bad at to make it better for the team in general. And that area is turnover margin and defense, like basically giving up yards per play. Those are the two biggest areas. They improve that a little bit. It can offset the offense if if it takes a step back. Can I add special teams to that list as well? Go for it. What do we got special teams here? Well, Stan Gaudian's back, but uh, he wasn't great last year. Mm. I think he, he was one of two punters in the conference to have 20 punts and average fewer than 40 yards kick. Not great. Um, Ryan Meskel also fell off from where he was in 2018 but you know he graduated and they're having to replace him they brought in adam stack who transferred in from oregon he's a grad transfer probably has something to prove because he was only six of ten in his career with the ducks in a long of 39 yards so there's some there's some question marks on special teams but i think that there's promise in the return game because with stovall coming back in with uh, lincoln victor returning punts and kicks you know, they, that was the one area, especially since they were pretty good last year. So I think there's a good chance they can hold on to those gains. So, yeah, again, even if there's a little bit of, you know, offensive backsliding, I think, you know, being able to make up for that on special teams, helping to win the field position battle could help them in the long run. Oh, definitely. Like, if you, like, yeah, punting, return, like, I kind of joke about how whatever about these positions, but they're very important. Like, if you can get a three to five yards on a punt or kick return, imagine – Oh crap! It's a forty-six yarder. Oh, it's a forty-yarder. It's more manageable for a kick for a kicker to make yeah. it. College kicker. So every yard counts. Like let's just cliche. But again, just be. You know what? Ten percent better of twenty twenty-two yards is only two and a half yards. Is that? Yeah. That's. If you put it in that sense, if you're thinking about team, like how can we get better? If you think of just a small percentage here and there, it's a game of inches, which again is a dumb cliche, but it's true in football. Just a little bit more here and there, and it could drastically change the outcome of your season. So, mm-hmm. so, so overall, just be better punting. I guess your kicking game needs some work, but they got their return game going. They got some guys coming back. It'll be fine. Return game probably above average in the conference, I would say. But again, just they'll, they're, this is the area where I think they're going to be okay. Just kick better field goal kicking, I think, is what they kind of really need. Yeah. Schedule time. Are we ready for that? Let's do it. All right, so I have my schedule filled out, color-coded for whoever sees it later. They start off, again, we, this is a week zero contest, correct, out in the desert in Tucson? 
yes. Well, actually, it's at home, isn't it? No, it's at Arizona. Last year, remember last year when they stopped close oh, at the goal right, line, right, right, right. where the whoever it was ran down from behind and caught up to him and knocked him down. That's true. Yeah, Manly Williams. Manly Williams. That's right. I couldn't remember who it was, but I remember that play because it was started the as honestly in college football probably one of the top ten plays of the whole year last year, just for the excitement factor. So they opened at Arizona, which. Have we discussed Arizona at all? I think we did. Oh, no, I did my my preview on them. That's what it was. So Kevin Sumlin is year three. I still say he's sort of in the hot seat because – Oh, yeah. Like, he's did decent things at Texas A&M, which he got like go weirdly, but they get whatever Jimbo Fisher and Aggie should be better all the time. But they don't have Quilote, which could be a good thing, Matt, because he was a guy who was hit or miss, preseason Heisman favorite or Heisman dark horse, not favorite, but guy in the conversation where – Dual threat guy, similar to uh, who's the quarterback that before? Or nothing like kind of a Dennis Dixon type in Oregon a little bit, maybe Marcus Mariota, a touch with the running and passing ability. But it's a team where I'm going to say Hawaii could seriously go in and win this game because new quarterback. They do have uh, don't they have Jonathan Taylor back? I believe as well. JJ Taylor. Or sorry, yeah. J, J. Jonathan Taylor is the uh, Wisconsin running back who's dealt the Colts. But they have a good running game back, so there's that. But like Arizona is a team where this game could be as similar to last year, Matt, where it's a last minute game where it's a lot of points. Arizona's only four and eight last year. Someone's nine and fifteen overall. So it's like going to year three, it's like we're probably safe, but maybe not. But like the quarterback's probably gonna be Grant Gunnell. Should be his job regardless. I think he played eight games last year, only two wins. Um he played pretty well against UCLA, but UCLA was just a okay. He he's pretty good at throwing the ball, so this will be a good test for the secondary. Um, but the I think the uh, new running back as well. Like they lose a lot of talent. That's my, what I'm saying out here. But Kulate might be a Nate. What is it? The uh, addition with subtraction, that type of deal. You don't have to worry about Maybe. him coming in there, out running the ball, or just kind of being sort of like a guy who uh, wants to do too much what, ends up doing nothing. When I was researching Arizona, like Arizona strikes me as as Hawaii with with the evil mustache. I think so. Yeah, Wario. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, what's I don't know how you would say because you can't flip a, an H. It would be an H still. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hawaii, not Hawaii. Arizona's, Hawaii. <laughs> Arizona's 2019 is what would have happened to Hawaii if things had broken bad instead of good. Oh, definitely. That defense I, gave I up think, 36 points a game last year. Yeah, and they they lost the last seven games of the year. It didn't look competitive in most of them. Um, so there's definitely a lot of pressure on Sumlin. I mean, you mentioned tape being addition by subtraction. Part of that is their new quarterback, Grant Gunnell, mm-hmm. who saw action in eight games, completed yeah. 65% of his passes, had nine touchdowns against one interception. You know, you look at the preseason SP plus projections and, and Hawaii and Arizona are basically the same team because the offense projects to be pretty good. I think they're both projected in the top 50, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the Wildcats, uh, their defense was garbage last year. Yeah, and they were giving up over six yards of play. And and you know what you saw if you stayed up to watch the Hawaii game was pretty much what you saw all year long, in that regard. So while they have a lot of those players coming back, like they weren't particularly disruptive, they really couldn't stop anyone. And so, like you said, this should be a game where both of these teams can run the ball. I think it's just a matter of which offense is more efficient more often I'm going with with uh, Hawaii for the victory road victory 1-0 and 
Honestly, I have this one as a loss, though. <sighs> Dang it. What's the uh, key difference for the uh, defeat? I mean, honestly, I think it'll come down to the passing game. That could be it because Gino looks to be a guy who can percentage-wise pretty well. Has like you mentioned no very few miscues with one pick. That's probably be the difference. I I'm surprised Bill C has a 36 percent win probability. I get it's on the road. I just what I've seen from Arizona over the years, watching them in the Pac-12 versus Utah, and then obviously they play some Mountain West teams. It's usually a team where it's a, I think it's a literal toss-up in this game. It's like last year as well. May not come down to the last second of play, but I. I I don't see why Hawaii can't win this game. I know on the road it's going to be a close one. I labeled that as a toss-up on my end for my – let people see my schedule picks and everything. But I just think with the de- – wait, how bad the defense was for Arizona. Like, are they going to get a pass rush against the offensive line? Uh, probably not very well. they got enough receivers to go out there. They have the best receiver on the field. The uh, running back um, might could be the best running back for Hawaii. And so – It'll be a lot of points like last year, but I think it'll be a similar game last year. Like this could be a, like a first to thirty-five type of game. Get your popcorn ready. And yes, pay attention. Very few games that day, so might as well watch a good one, right? Yes, I, I do like their chances to beat UCLA though. Better or worse than Arizona? Better. Okay, it's at the, it's in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. What's your reason to say it's better? Because Chip Kelly is a garbage college football coach now that people know what he's doing. Their defense. Their defense is worse. We, you know, we talked about the worse in Arizona uh, during the uh, San Diego State podcast. We did for so a moment, if yes. You, if you didn't listen to that, go ahead and revisit that. Um, essentially, their defense was even hotter trash than the Wildcats last year. Um, and I'm a little less sold on their offense. And so, Wait, you're telling me you don't like DRT, throwing the ball, running the ball? I mean, I think he'll be okay, but I think he'll be erratic. <laughs> so you mean standard issue, UCLA quarterback the past couple of years? Yeah, so like when you compare the the win probabilities on uh, you know by SP plus for instance, you mentioned that they give Hawaii a thirty six percent chance to beat Arizona. They give them a thirty nine percent chance to beat UCLA. But honestly, I feel like that's really low. <laughs> I would be surprised if Hawaii loses that game. I I agree with you. It's going to be a Hawaii victory. They'll be two and zero. Like you see, here's the UCLA has obviously the way they recruit and talent they have, and who knows what Chip Kelly will do. He. Like he, not they lost his luster, but he was, like I think we probably mentioned the same Aztec podcast where he was innovative in Oregon, but was it really his stuff at Oregon? It was like he goes to Oregon, great. Maybe the NFL, like the NFL, beat the crap out of his college stuff he liked to do before because going to Eagles, he couldn't really do the similar type of things because that's a big transition. And he comes back, and more teams are running a similar style offense is not really as a surprise. But you would think going to UCLA, he can get the talent, even if people kind of, not that they know what he's running, but they. Just stylistic-wise, they're familiar with. Most teams are now, essentially, kind of what he does or what's out there, that mm-hmm. he could overcome that with talent. But that doesn't seem the case, and it just seems he's like a – like, same thing. He's entering year through that like Kevin Sumlin, and he's probably in the hot seat as well unless he gets, like, eight or nine wins. And they're I think they're projected or will be projected. Like, I wouldn't be surprised, like, in the West, it's them in Arizona for fifth place, fourth and fifth place, you know what I mean, in the South, not West, sorry. Yeah, yeah pretty much. They're going to be at the bottom, and I don't see, like – could you still beat them? Probably, yes. I don't, but I just don't think they will. I think Hawaii will have enough at home. It is UCLA's opener, so there's that. But it, Hawaii's already had a game under his belt, so there's that. So then they could play Fordham. That's Actually, a, a note on that game. Ooh, update. It might. It might not happen. What's up with that? Well, what's the reason I did not see this? Uh, so the Patriot League, which is where. Fordham oh, that's right. Football, I did see about the Patriot they, League. 
they put forth some travel restrictions. Flying is like which, a no-no just about. Which which more or less comes down to they don't want Patriot League teams to fly to face their opponents. And and you know, because of the pandemic that's ongoing right now. All right, hold on a second. So, there is actually are you reading from the date oh, why am I on this website? Hold on. I'm not gonna mention it out loud because I don't like it. But I'm gonna see if there's a better link to it inside. Um Yeah, the, the, so this is from the official Patriot League, PatriotLeague.org if you want to look for it. There's something new like twelve um, hours ago, that's what I'm looking at though. Yeah, so non league competition will not begin prior to September fourth. Correct. Um, no page, and this is the the biggest bullet point. No Patriot League teams will fly to competitions, and with rare exceptions, regular season competition will exclude overnight travel. We need to follow up on this. So, and and this this came out yesterday on I, June twenty. I do remember reading this. I forgot Ford because I was doing it from my other radio show. I didn't realize or didn't think about Ford. It wasn't there wasn't my point. Look at the teams, but just like because there's a D three school that's not doing any athletics. The SWAC is saying if we can't start yeah. by like mid-October, we're down with fall sports. Mm-hmm. So is it not happening at all, or is it um, like, if is they it def- fly, the game's not going to happen. That's what it is. is that our official, that they're not flying at all, or is that the plan? It's, I mean, it's unofficially official, it, as of right now. Okay, I'll need to look into this more, because I didn't think about that when I saw this. Um, I, mean, I, I, I remember seeing the overnight thing. If to be played, mm, Hawaii would win. Yes. <laughs> oh. Um, you know, because Fordham, Fordham was not great last year. They were only four and eight. They might have been a little bit unlucky. I mean, they've they've got about a thousand yard running back in Zach Davis, who was first team All Patriot League. They've got a couple of linebackers in Ryan Greenhagen and, and Glenn Cunningham, who combined for twenty seven tackles for loss. But if they can't fly to Hawaii, they're not going to play them. Yeah, no. So I. Mm. Okay, it doesn't mess up Hawaii's too much schedule because they still have twelve games. So that's fine, and and they're probably paying them to come out there anyways. You know what I mean for a buy game FCS team. But also, yeah, I, I I think there was a thread on Twitter. Somebody was conversing with the FB schedules mm-hmm. uh, about the the contract language. So if you're really interested in that, you can find that on Twitter. Also, it's hard to see language having like uh, pandemic language in there listed <laughs> for things. They, I, if I remember correctly, I saw the screenshot and the words "Act of God" was on there. So which I'm can be a million things. It's like, yeah. When they say language, I'm like, that's like a cop out for st- for the weirdest things like this to tap it. Like asteroid hitting the earth, like it's a, it's a pandemic. I totally understand. Yeah, I, I get to, but it's just like that using act of God in contract language. I'm like, come on, that's we don't need to get into it. But I think that's kind of a, a whatever. It's just weird. So, so if it happens, they win. I guess I need we need to do an article of some sort of reach out to Hawaii or Fordham and see what we can figure out. But yeah, you're right. No Patriot League teams will fly to competition. And with rare exceptions, regular season competition will exclude overnight travel. Oh boy. So that's something to look out for. I need to copy and paste this and save it for later. But so it's a victory if they play, correct? Clearly. Uh, yes. And also, if you don't know where Fordham is, Fordham is, it's in the Bronx, which is in New York State, which is far away. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's one of the farthest trips any team could make. I remember why I went to Army a couple years ago. That was a wild trip, too. We're going to Gainesville as well. So next game. Back on the on the Power Five train, going to Oregon, which will be a undoubtedly loss. Correct? Yes. Any chance? They may not be a, they may not be a conference playoff or a college football playoff contender, but they should definitely be a Rose Bowl contender. Will they be challenged better than Nevada did? You would hope. Because remember, Hawaii played Washington last year; wasn't very close either. Yeah, that's true. 
I mean, and just a little bit about Oregon. They've got pretty much everybody coming back on the offense, even without Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. They've got someone in Penne Sewell who could be the number one pick in next year's NFL draft. Best offensive lineman, period. It wouldn't surprise me if Hawaii put up some points, but I really don't see them keeping up with the Ducks. That'll be tough, yeah. Like um, they do remember also their offense coordinators now at UNLV, so there's that as well. Yeah. But it's it's if, even if Hawaii even puts up twenty one points, which I can see that they might not, they'll probably allow forty two. Yeah. Then they get the league play where didn't you mention what was your game to decide the West? Was it San Diego San Diego State and Fresno? No, it was San Diego State and Nevada. I think Nevada Hawaii could decide the division. I could see an argument for that. It's one of those really critical early games. It's it's like you know, we, we talked about we have talked about Boise State Air Force in that same kind of way in the past. And I think that to a lesser extent, or maybe we, maybe not, maybe I shouldn't say it that way, but it may not get quite as much attention, but this is one of those games that when you look back at the end of the year, that could be the game that decides the division. There's, in my opinion, it's, I know you mentioned San Jose, San Jose State kind of a dark horse a little bit. Mm-hmm. My opinion, it's, I don't have a particular order at the moment, but Aztecs, Warriors, Wolfpack are the three teams that will contend for the West. Okay. Getting Nevada at home. Remember last year, Hawaii went to the or Nevada went to Hawaii. Hawaii beat them. What was it fifty nine to three? No, no, the Warriors went to Reno. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry, my mistake. The, geez, they, they ran the, the travel. Sorry, that's how disrespectful it was. <laughs> what I meant to say, they traveled a long ways to win. I, I don't know why I got it backwards, but they crushed Nevada by traveling thousands and thousands of miles. Or not thousands, but I mean, a long trip. <laughs> thousands of thousands is a bit uh, hyperbole there. But Carson, they got the quarterback, Carson um, Strong, excuse me. He's a clear starter. Tell it to a, we, we've, we'll talk about these guys down the road, but they have the offense to go. It's not going to be like last year. It's going to be a much closer game to last year. But the wide defense coming like, oh, we held these guys three points. Who is this team? Our defense isn't very good. And look what we did to you guys. Come on. You're not very good. So yeah. they have confidence right there, which is good. Um, Nevada having a, a one quarterback and not having to play multiple ones throughout the year due to injury, benching, or other items. Like w- one of the guys was uh, basically kicked off the team but wasn't kicked off the team, the guy from last chance you. Mm-hmm. Um, for his name, but it doesn't matter. But this is a game where being location-wise is a big edge for, for Hawaii, and I'm predicting them to beat um, Nevada on October 3rd. Yeah, I'm – like I said, I've, I've, I know I've mentioned this at least once because we talked about it with San Diego State. It's going to happen. Repeat's going to happen. about Nevada. I could see some similarities between the Warriors and the Wolfpack just in terms of like their offensive potential. But I have I have Hawaii winning this one too. All right. Then they, go, then they play New Mexico State at home, which they should win because should. The, these Aggies are not what they've been a couple years ago. I think it was Larry Rose III. He was a really good player they had. Yeah, they don't have much time. We talked about them last time in our uh, New Mexico preview, but it's also a game. Yeah, just it's a long travel game. Mexico State's the independent. Their recruiting's not great. And there's nothing that should challenge them. Like maybe Hawaii's defense struggles a little bit, but there's no way this. If Hawaii doesn't drop fifty on this team, I'm going to be disappointed. That's what I'm saying. Like there's no way. Like there's no way they can keep pace. I was getting that. There's no way they can go score for score for Hawaii. Even if Mexico yeah. State scores 20 points, it, it's going to be like the inverse Oregon game where maybe New Mexico State scores a couple touchdowns, but Hawaii's just going to boat race them on their end, and okay, we'll give up three touchdowns, we'll score seven, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Then comes our toughest part of the schedule. At Air Force, 
home to Boise at Fresno State. 0-3 for me. Just saying it right now. They're not winning any of those games. What do you what do you what do you say? See the I think it's I think you can narrow it down to that two game stretch at Air Force and home versus Boise State because you know, you go and look at the SP plus projections, essentially they give Hawaii a one in three chance to beat Air Force and a one in four chance to beat Boise. And that's not nothing. You know, they they kinda had some some implosions against both of those teams last year. You know, they they basically got buried in the in the regular season matchup against the Broncos early on, but let's not forget they still managed to drop thirty seven points on them. They did, uh, yes, down the stretch. Even though a lot of that was in garbage time, like they were still able to land some haymakers, and they were more competitive with them, yeah, you know, in the championship game. Even if they even if they couldn't hold up in the in the long run, so I'm not going to say that there's no chance that they win these games, but I. I think that there's enough questions, especially on the defensive side of things, where I do have them losing both of those games. Yeah. Because I think if they're susceptible to anything, it might be a strong run game. Okay. And I would expect that both the Falcons mm-hmm. and the Broncos have that. As for Fresno, there that's is... another one of those toss-up games, in my opinion. I say it's a toss-up. I think a lot of it will... I think a lot of it's going to depend on how much the Fresno State defense rebounds. There's that. More reason I think it's toss up partly because who they play, but they go yeah. road home, road home. Essentially, they're I mean they travel their force back home, yeah. travel again. Even though Fresno is one of their closest trips, any road trips far for Hawaii. So there's that. You're playing again if they're playing those two good running game teams. Like Boise's not nearly as good as Air Force, just partly because of quantity, maybe even quality as well. Compared to George Lonnie, compared to like Kaden Remsburg or Donald Hammond running the ball, but Fresno can run the ball as well. Ronnie Rivers can run it pretty good. And That's so, true. and with the off with the coach safe coming back, his OC years before their offense is really good. They could actually I was looking, doing some research, obviously, but they were like what number, top number two went from six to two in yards per play passing the ball. They have a new quarterback, Fresno State, will over Jorge Reina. So they're good enough. And he's like, if defense gets a bit better. I can see why winning the game because they can score points and they should score points against most teams. I just think to travel and if the Front of the, we mentioned the weaknesses, the defensive line of this team. If they get run on against against Air Force and Boise State and Ronnie Rivers is in that same category, being as good as the other backs, Fresno could just run the ball against them and take care of business that way and hold the ball away from the offense and win a mediaish scoring game where it's like twenty five to twenty or something in that range. And that's why I think Fresno can pull it off. Yeah, offense wasn't the problem last year for the Bulldogs. I know. But I, but I think there's a little more uncertainty about them going into 2020 than there is about Hawaii, which is why I have the Warriors winning that one on the road. Okay. I can see it happening, but I just you – know, I already said why. But that's uh, mm. it is a clear toss-up for me. I just think playing multiple tough teams in a row, it might catch up to them, catch up to them playing a team that – I, I know we both don't think Fresno is as good as Boise Air Force. No slouch. But a team that's probably a decent chance to go bull be bull eligible, they're even though they're a step behind, there's just getting worn down a little bit and playing a team that's more on your level where it's like, ooh, it's uh could get, yeah. get a little tricky. That's what I'm getting at. And and I would say that if they steal two out of three in that stretch, that might be all they need to have a real chance to steal the division in November because they get two straight home games against New Mexico and UNLV. I have those penciled down as wins. Mm-hmm, same. And then they have back-to-back road games in California at San Jose State and at San Diego State. Well, let's back up there. Do you think there's a realistic chance to win two or three of those games, Air Force, Boise, Fresno? 
That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying it's the most likely outcome. Okay. But make it sure. Make it, it happens. Sure. Okay. No, like definitely could because yeah, if they, I don't I know. Think who... if they want to, I think if they want to win the division, they're going to have to win one of those two games, either at Air Force or home versus Boise. And then also include Fresno to win as well, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a, I don't know if that'll happen, but then you're right. Like if the way it plays out, like they beat New Mexico, they should be, they should beat UNLV. San Diego State's most likely a loss. Is that right? You think? Uh, I have that one as a loss. Yeah. Okay. I'm question. I'm debating about what to do with San Jose State. I want to ask your opinion, but you like the Spartans more than me, so I'm not sure how much I could take into that. Well, over the last couple of years, these have been some of the most entertaining games in the entire conference schedule. That's why I'm conflicted about how to pick. Like we know, Spartans will have a new quarterback, and they do have the same coach. They have, but they also have one of the best receivers in the country, and Trey Walker, as well. Against a secondary that's um, okay, we've discussed them. They they have some decent talent, but we'll see what they're they can solid. do. They're solid, solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I would say their defense is a lot like Hawaii's actually, where mm-hmm. they're, they're, I think there's more questions up front than there is on the back end. Are you surprised this is a literal toss up at forty nine percent? I am not, because that's essentially what it's been over the last couple of years. I'm just not sure. I I want it. Okay, here's the thing. I'm tainted by the San Jose State name. Because they haven't been very good. And I try to wash that away and not make it be a thing. Would, okay, so would it help you feel better if I said that I had Hawaii winning this game? <laughs> a lot, yes. <laughs> <laughs> my pick, I have it in green on my bright green spreadsheet, a Hawaii victory. Because I think having that, I think having the experience at quarterback could be the thing that makes the difference. Yes, but also this is week 12. Or yeah. whatever it may be, where San Jose State should have their quarterback down, whether it's Nick Nash or Nick Stevens. Mm-hmm. And I'm going Hawaii. Part of it too, it's on the road, and they've been close games. But I'm gonna I'm gonna lean toward because they're in a roll. They're beating New Mexico, beat UNLV. San San Jose State slightly better than them than those two teams, and maybe they'll surprise a bit. But I got Hawaii winning, and I have three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and five overall. But losing four conference games and going four and four in league play. Yeah. So, uh, assuming you know, because obviously the four game is probably not going to happen. Eight five with an does, asterisk. Uh, yeah. So with an asterisk, or, yeah. I guess you would say I have them in eight and five as well, but I have them at five and three in conference. Would five, would five and three be good enough to win the conference? Because your losses were what division losses did you have? Just San Diego State. Uh, in division losses. Yeah, like West Division teams. Yes. That could be good enough to win it all. It could, but again... It's overall record, those, not West game, Those games against Air Force and Boise State. They play the two toughest teams in the, in the cross-division game, essentially. Which is which is a tough draw, but, you know, them's the breaks. No and that didn't stop them last year, though. No, I'll no, say that. It did, no, they had the same schedule last year, but this is also not the same team as last year. <laughs> Either what we're That's getting true. at, so... Yeah. But again, going back to what I said at the very beginning, would it sh- would it shock me if Hawaii won the division again? No, absolutely not. I mean, you know, same with me. I I would not be surprised. Like looking at the percentage wise, like their odds are seventy percent probably. Do you think they go down? Probably go down if they don't play Fordham, right? Um, because they need seven wins playing thirteen. I think they're. I think it's still well above fifty percent. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'd still see. Good. I'd still give them better than coin flip, regardless. So like their projected went to like six and six, six point six that they have like five toss ups. That's a big thing. Like way, the way toss ups looking at Bill C's SP plus win probability is basically a game within a touchdown or more. 
or touchdown or less, I should say. And last year they had the eight point margin. What did you say it was? Five and one. They were five and one in those games. So last year. if they, it's hard to replicate that. So if they go it three is. and three, it's tough. But then again, they also won ten games. But the most likely scenario that he has is seven victories at uh, twenty four, or should be six victories at twenty six percent, twenty four percent, seven victories. Mm-hmm. So we're right in that range where I think a bull like. I, it's hard for me to see a scenario where they're not going bowling this year. I agree. Like, I mean, it's not to say that it's not on the table. Like, if, if everything goes wrong, then I think this is a team that could stumble and struggle to beat a lot of their division opponents. Like, they could lose to Nevada and Fresno State and San Jose State. No, actually, I, I could see it because here's the thing. Like, I can honestly... I think, I think the floor for this team, like, if, if they... If, like, if you think in terms of, like, the 10th percentile, let's mm-hmm. say... Is probably four wins. I think that's the worst case scenario. That's what I was thinking too, because like they could lose to Arizona, they could lose to UCLA, they could lose to Nevada, and if you mention San Jose State, that's four of my victories right there. So yeah, I retract me saying a bowl game is not is the least case. It's worse than that. Which the schedule is very is quite difficult. Like they play like yeah, whatever you say of Arizona, UCLA, the, the physicality of talent they have, like the recruiting they bring in is better than Hawaii's so coaching and execution is lacking in my opinion overall, but there's the Hawaii's not a this amazing team either at their end. Like even though they won 10 games, lost five. Yeah. Like we, we I think we had a similar conversation in our Wyoming podcast mm-hmm. where, you know, especially in the non-conference schedule, there's no gimmies. Yeah. They got the ball state, Louisiana team. Yeah. Utah, stuff like that. Uh, I don't think they're going to fall apart. I, mean, I, I guess it could happen because what if they flip and go one and five in one score games, like what Utah State did a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing I still think a bowl game's above average, 55, 60%, depending on the Fordham game. Because remember, if they don't play the Fordham game, they only need six victories, but the Fordham game is basically a gimme, so it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Take it mm-hmm. out of way. I think they'll be fine. They'll be, like he's mentioned, we'll go back to the start of all this. They're an exciting team, new offense. Returning quarterback who we know we can throw, one of the elite receivers in the conference. Defense, just get I'll say again, just get ten percent better and you're good good to go, and you'll win at least seven games. Get get your popcorn ready. Yes. It, 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 go to Costco, get yourself like a twenty four pack of monster energy or you know, whatever. You know what I saw really quick wrap up. I went to make, the, make sure you're ready for those late nights because you're not gonna want to miss it. I haven't gone to the grocery store in a while because I do pick up, they bring it to my car, which is a smart thing to do and it's free at the moment, so I'm loving it. Actually, I went in the other day to get my Street and Smith's College Football Magazine because I couldn't order it online at the store, which was lame. Mm-hmm. So I walk in by the self-checkout. What do I see but the giant industrial-sized cheese puff balls? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is this, is this a thing this store has? They have no Coke Zero. They have limited whatever lunch meat from Oscar Mayer. But, of course, they have 30 or so giant... You know, talk about the barrel size of cheese puffs, the off-brand cheese puffs, whatever. So maybe, only the necessities. I guess college football. I'm like, yeah, that's a that's a snack that could last you all year. It's like the uh, Thirty Rock sketch where they had the giant thing of cheese puffs they ate for like a, two episodes mm-hmm. or three episodes. But uh, just get your snacks ready. Whatever you want to do to stay up late, do it. Watch these games. Um, we'll keep an eye out for Fordham down the road. That's something definitely. I forgot their Patriot League team, so there's that big news there. But it's gonna be a fun team to watch. Bowl games should be likely. But uh, that's it. I got nothing else to add. You good to go? I think we're all set. All right. So check us out, MWR.com. Working on our previews, top 50 countdown, position previews. All this stuff's coming out now, some rankings. We'll have some pretty good stuff the next couple weeks as we hope the season begins in earnest next month with uh, teams reporting to, what are we going to call it, extended fall camp, Matt? 
Sure. Volcamp Plus. Everything has a plus. Disney Plus, ESPN there you go, Plus. There you go. I like that. It used to be Hulu Plus, but that, but whatever. But uh, yeah, check us out. We'll be getting this stuff rolling out. We'll do a team preview uh, next week as well. We'll decide who that is. And uh, thanks for listening. And um, have a good one, everybody.